uh, we're, we're in for a wonderful treat this morning. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to roll a video that will give you an, a, a bit of a perspective about Mark and Jemima Varagis and how God is using them globally. Pastor Mark uh, was a, a qualified lawyer working in Perth and who God called into ministry. He took a significant pay cut to work for a church. And then 16 years ago, God spoke to him about going to Kuala Lumpur, to KL uh, in Malaysia, to plant a church. And I want you just to watch what happened out of one moment. One moment can change everything. Check this out. Amazing. I want you to stand to your feet here on the Sunshine Coast in Melbourne. And I want us uh, to give a great welcome to a modern day apostle, someone who God is using as a general in his kingdom to transform people's lives and the way the kingdom works in multiple countries around the world. We've loved having you this weekend with us, Pastor Mark. We're looking forward to this morning. Come on, put your hands together right now. See the powerhouse. Wow. Amazing. What a God we serve. Can I hear an amen? And if you're new to church, we're glad you're here. Whether you're here, you're in Melbourne East, we're so glad you took the time to join us. And uh, you're in the right place. If you're looking for a church to call home, this is a great one to call home. And uh, again, in Melbourne or in Sunshine Coast, this there, this is an amazing place to live. I just want to tell you that. I don't know why I haven't discovered the Sunshine Coast till recently. My wife grew up, well, spent a lot of time in Brisbane, uh, and so she'd talk about it, but I'm like, Sunshine Coast, it just sounds like heaven. <laughs> Melbourne East sounds like heaven as well, I'm just saying, <laughs> trying to be fair to everyone here. But I just love to pray. So, Father, we're so grateful because without you, we can do nothing. But with you in the mix, nothing is off the table. All things are possible. So today in Melbourne and in Sunshine Coast, have your way. Let your word have its say. In the middle of all my words, let them hear your voice. And in the middle of all that I say, let them hear your word. And God, I thank you, God, for what you've done on the weekend at Powerhouse Conference. Thank you for what you've done in the hearts and lives of everyone who is there. But even for those who are new for the first time or their first time this weekend, I thank you, God, that you would just catch them up. Lord, they wouldn't share their code with other people on the screen. And Lord, for the next half an hour, let their attention be focused. I thank you their iPhones will not work, apart from flight mode, to take notes. Lord, we know the Androids don't work anyway, so we don't have to pray that. But Lord, we just ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Fantastic. You may be seated. And, and thank you, amazing worship team. Give these guys a big hand. And the team that has served you in Melbourne as well, give them a big hand. That's so cool. I, I do want to take a moment just to be, let you know my gratitude for the privilege of being here. It's always an honor to share the word of God, always an honor to meet new friends and find new relationships. And the team have served us so well here. They've been so kind and... Um, you know, just what you don't realize is in the back room, I sit and talk to your pastor, who is, you know this, but he's a legend. Yeah. I mean, both of them, but to you, what John Pierce has done in C3, I've heard rumors and tales, and then I sit like a little kid and ask him a thousand questions about what it's like to be such a significant leader in a global movement, and I've taken vociferous notes. Yeah. 
That's a fancy word for lots. And uh, it is truly, you, you, know, you know, I hope you're aware that you're blessed. Can we honor Pastor Danielle and John Pierce and the whole team, all the campus pastors, everyone who's a part of this. So good. John 21 is the scripture I'm going to read from. And the context of the story, just to give you some background, is this is a passage just after Jesus had died. He had risen from the dead, which is a big deal. But the disciples who were his followers didn't know it. So they're still grieving, mourning, not sure what's going to happen to this ministry. And here's where we pick up the story, John 21. Verse 3, it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, meaning the other ten, because one had uh, died, uh, we are going with you also. See, this is the power of leadership, by the way. One disenfranchised leader returning to his past, and that's the power of leadership. Now ten others want to join him. They went out and immediately got into the boat that night. They caught nothing. Everyone say, they caught nothing. They caught nothing. But when morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, then you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able. Everyone say, not able. They were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Deja vu. Isn't it amazing to know that you're always going to be dependent on God? First, they can catch nothing. Now, they've caught too much. Either way, they're unable. Never forget, we're always going to be dependent on God. Remember a testimony of one of our uh, leaders in Botswana. He ran a production company, and he came forward for prayer. We, have, we opened the front of the building for anyone who wants prayer, uh, every service, and he came forward. And the pastor went to pray for him. And the pastor told me this story, and I, I love the story. And he said, look, I'm just really struggling. I've got no work. And so the pastor prayed a simple prayer for him. He went back and didn't really hear much. About four weeks, five weeks later, uh, the same gentleman comes forward for prayer again. The pastor sees him, recognizes him, goes, oh, man, poor guy. His business probably still struggling. He said, hi, how can I pray for you? His business still bad. He goes, no, 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 since you prayed for me, I've said so much work, I'm struggling. I can't handle <laughs> I don't want to do. But either way, he had to walk to the front and get prayer. Never graduate from dependence on God. I don't know whether you've got nothing on or too much on. Either way, come to God. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, his name's John, it's a long introduction. He wrote the book, he could write it how he wants. He said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples, by the way, I'm so grateful for other disciples. The other disciples, you know, there's the disciple whom Jesus loved and there's Peter. Peter is the featured, John is the favorite. Peter is always in the stories. John is just so secure in his love that he talks about himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. But then he describes another group of nine as the other disciples. Anyone ever felt like the other disciple? I'm not the favorite. I'm not the featured. I'm just the other disciple. But thank God for the other disciples because they in the little boat and they dragged the net with fish. Then as soon as they'd come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it, which again blows my mind. They're, 
they're striving all night to catch something that Jesus had on the beach. Jesus says to them, bring some of the fish which you slash I just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. See, there's two miracles that happen in the story. One is spectacular and obvious that everybody could understand. And one is a lot more subtle, but it's just as significant. The first miracle is zero to 153. And I'm not talking about the way Jacob drives the BMW. I'm talking about... <laughs> now he was very responsible, very responsible. It's not his car, so he's taking really good care of it, in case the owner's watching right now. Um, zero fish, 153 fish, like that, like the production guy. It's like sometimes, let, let's never forget, even though I believe in process and systems and, and, and all of that, that God is the God of the impossible. He can still do supernatural things, never graduate from that, even though there's systems, sometimes it's patient. You know, sometimes we want God to do everything instantly. I don't find that he's an instantly God, but he is a suddenly God, and he can do things quickly. He just says suddenly often takes a lot of time because we want it yesterday, and he says sometimes there's nothing, and then bang, zero to 153. I don't know what you're believing for in Melbourne or here, but he's still able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you can think, ask, or imagine, because that is God's very nature. And the key is obedience. He yells from the beach, cast your net on the other side. That's an insult to a fisherman. And sometimes we want strategy. God just wants obedience. I don't know what you feel barren in, but sometimes it's not a strategy that'll unlock it, it's simple obedience. And you know, we want something deep. We go see, we hire consultants. They come in, you're like, you need a new boat, you need a new crew, you need to find a new lake. And Jesus just goes, cast your net on the other side. The small change made a big difference. You know, the, the Botswana miracle, when the pastor told me, when he fleshed out the story, that guy went back to his, um, you know, to his seat, and he said he felt the Lord say, serve the house with your gift. And he runs a production house. So he started getting involved. And is that why his business? I don't know. But sometimes obedience is the very thing that unlocks the miracle you're believing for. It takes childlike trust. And don't try and intellectualize how the dots join, because sometimes they don't. God says, write a letter to your sister and forgive her. And then suddenly you get a business breakthrough. What's the link? I don't know. Just obey God. Sometimes like give a gift to that person and then suddenly your back gets healed. Is it linked? I don't know, but all I know is just obey God. Every time you obey God, good things happen. That's why it's so important, even in our church, I'm always trying to teach people how to hear God, not just listen to me. Because God will give them the keys that will unlock things. It's not always strategy, it's often obedience. But that first miracle, as spectacular as it is, uh, is not the goal of what I want to share tonight, uh, this morning. It's actually the, the, the second miracle. And you're like, what's the second miracle? What happened? Second miracle is the last verse we read. It says, the nets were strained, but they did not break. That's a miracle. You're like, that doesn't sound like a miracle. 
I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the grace of God that has held me in times where I felt overloaded, I felt strained. Now there's so many fish in the net, it had no fish. Now there's too many fish and the nets are straining. Anyone ever been through life where you felt so strained, but you're still here today somehow by the grace of God. You thought you wouldn't make it. You thought life would definitely end. You thought marriage would end. You thought everything would go away that you didn't think. And no matter if it did or it didn't, you're here today because God by his grace his miracle working grace. I know it's not as spectacular as zero to 153, but God's kindness that kept your net together is the reason you're sane, the reason you're here, and we need to be grateful for that. And here's what I'll say. If not for the second miracle, the first miracle's wasted. Think about it. If the net snaps, the fish is lost. What's the point of the first miracle if there's not a second miracle? What's the point of everything God has poured in your life is lost? The nets were strained, but not broken. So I have a question. Why 153 fish? I've heard people far more intelligent than me give me really sensible answers, and I believe them. But this is my simple logic. I think there was 153 fish because the 154th fish would have broken the net. <laughs> Ever been in those lifts? And you're that guy that walks in, and you're like, oh, beep, 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 and you sort of walk in. And so unfair, because it's not often the overweight person who sinks it. It's just the last person. Anyway, we're getting really politically incorrect right now, so let's just move on. But let me just say this. God knows your capacity. He won't give you more fish than you can handle. This is also why he's not answering some prayers to the extent we want. Because if you need a verse for this, you won't pour new wine into old wineskin. Why? Because he doesn't want the wine spilled or the vessel killed. He, he loves you too much to kill you with the answer to the prayer you're praying. You know, he, there's many examples of this. He, he'll pour oil, but he'll stop pouring the minute you run out of jars. Even in relation to temptation, he says he'll only give you as much, allow as much as you can handle. Even talents, he gave each one according to their own ability. He, he, he won't kill you with the prayer you're praying because he loves you enough. So I don't know what 153 represents to you. I mean, I wanted to get married at 22. I got married at 32. There was nothing wrong with me at 22. I was phenomenal. But it was, like, it was about 22 kilos ago as well, but that's another issue. Not just 22 years ago. Uh, and I'm like, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? If I'd known what God had in store for me, I, God needed to prepare me and build the net, so to speak. Because I think if I got married at 22, it wouldn't have been divorce, it would have been murder. Someone would have died. <laughs> but you know, you hear prayers all the time. God, give me billions of dollars for your kingdom, Lord. Of course, I mean for your kingdom. And the angels having a chuckle go, <laughs> can you believe what they asked for? They want billions. We know if we answered that prayer, we'll never see him at church again. They'll be on their jet ski and their boats forever. It'll kill their marriage. It'll kill, this, it'll kill their character. So he'll say, listen, I know you asked for billions. How about um, $153? The principle is this. Here's the principle. Obedience will trigger 
revival in your life, but your capacity determines the extent of the revival. So you can ask God, there are churches that are going, God, give us the world. And God goes, if I poured the world into your church. You know, uh, you saw that video. It's, it's quite emotional for me. And your, your pastor is a very unusual human in the most complimentary way. <laughs> I have preached all over the world, different parts. And, and you know, he's like, I want to show the video. I go, why? Like, other people don't want to show the video. But he's so secure. And he's like, look at what God's doing. It's incredible. I want to celebrate. He wants to build faith. And that's just your pastor. He's played it twice on the weekend already. I'm like, don't play it again. But anyway, all right, sure. But, but as, as I watch it, it triggers some memories for me. Because 16 years ago, I went. And, you know, my very first time where I had this encounter with God, I go to this Islamic country without a visa to plant a church, which is all crazy. And I invite a group of people. I had one guy that I knew. His name was Jai. He actually pastored at Dubai Church for a while. He's back in Malaysia. And he, um, and I said, listen, do you have any friends? Invite them. I'll buy them noodles. We have two pathetic pictures from the very first gathering. And in fact, I have the, I have the slide. I'm not sure if we have that, my dear friend upstairs. But do we have that picture? Here we go. It's terrible. It looks like pictures from the 1970s. <laughs> but this is actually 2006. That's me on the very first gathering, preaching. I'm sitting down, I'm already tired. And, uh, <laughs> and, and this is the only two pictures of the start of Kingdom City, the movement. Uh, these five people that look like they're under arrest are just people I did not know. And uh, I, you know, you can tell, I'm saying, I'm on fire for God because I've heard this thing. I've got no idea how to plant a church. I didn't go to any kind of school. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's just, I'm not ready for this, but God's told me to do this. So I'm there going, we're going to have a church of 100 people. And you get these people going, where's the noodles? Someone said if we come here at 5 p.m., there'd be noodles. It was the most awkward, but I didn't feel awkward because I was just so excited. And so I, this is how I just started. And so, and then, you know, over the next six, seven weeks, over the next six, seven weeks, half of them disappeared. Some other randoms came, kept bringing noodles out and just some came. And I'm just telling him why I'm here. Why did you leave Australia? Why did you leave law? Why did you come to this place? And what are you doing here? And, and I'm just telling my story and trying to get people excited. And, you know, I'm talking, I'm actually saying to them, one day we're going to have 100 people. And they're like, 100? There's like seven of us here. We don't even know each other. We don't like each other. Where's the noodles? And I honestly... But I'd finish, I'd go, God, bring 100 people. Thank God he didn't bring 100 people the next week. We had no net to carry anything. If a hundred people turned up the next week, I'd have gone, who are you, where are you from? Go back to your false gods. I can't help you. I wouldn't know what to tell them. I mean, I could preach, maybe, but I had no ability to carry what God was, I was asking God for. So I'm not asking you to dull down your prayers, but I'm saying let God stretch your capacity. So you can become the person who can handle the very thing you're asking for. I mean, today on any given weekend, I get all the statistics and all of this. On any given weekend now, there's between four and 500 new people that give us their details every week that walk into our church globally. 500 new people. That's like a church of people who give details and saying, hey, we're interested. Thank God. Do you think it wasn't God's heart 
for the next week in 2006 to let 500 people come. Of course, he loves the world. But he would have killed me. He would have killed us. There was no us. Here's the question we should all be asking today, and this is where I want to stretch your thinking. And I've actually come with a word to encourage this church, because this is truly a powerhouse. This is a powerhouse church. This is a powerhouse people. You are a power, You are part of a move of God that in the Sunshine Coast and in Melbourne East, the limits of what God can do will come down to your willingness to be part of this miracle net. And if you would say yes to God, see, it's amazing we had a great conference, but what is the, at the end of the conference, it's not just so we go, well, that was nice, hope, no, 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 be a part of the yes of what God is doing, and say, God, I will add my thread to this miracle net so that more fish can join what you are doing in this place. So here's the question, and you can apply this personally, but I think this is a corporate word for the house. Your capacity is a function of two abilities, two concepts, two components. And I'm just using a very simple analogy. Think of an actual net. Your capacity is equal to your willingness to connect and your willingness to carry. Think of a net. You're a thread in a net. If a thread had personality and said, oh, I don't want to connect with the other strands, that's not a net. That's a hole. (laughs) Don't be the limp thread in the net. And whatever, whatever thread having personality said, oh, look, I love the hangs. Don't make me do anything. That's not a net. That net will be weak. And so really, you think about your business. You think about your family. You think about anything. You know, when I, we, I'm the eldest of four children, grew up in a house, and mum and dad were like, this is not a hotel. Who's, who other parents told them they can? I'm like, you're telling me, where's all the service? And they're like, no, that's exactly the point. This is not a hotel. I didn't realize that they meant it as, you know, you get involved and do some work. But you don't just come and go when you want. You go, you know, all that stuff. Well, the house of God is the capacity of what God is going to do in power house, not power hotel. Now, by the way, your pastor hasn't asked me to preach this. I'm just sharing this. Because I know this is what real discipleship, this is where rubber hits the road, in Melbourne and in Sunshine Coast. And I'm not, don't, don't feel bad. You're like, I'm new. I'm just, don't go, please don't yell at me. No, listen. <laughs> enjoy the Tim Tams after the service. But this is a principle that applies to any area of your life. Your willingness to connect. You know, think about it. Every human being has a bent towards independence. And so the willingness to yield and to join your heart and to connect is almost like, well, I don't know, I should be told what to do. But everybody, if we, you know, think about it. The 11 disciples went fishing that night, and they all took their own fishing rods. So there was no net. They're all sitting around the edge of the boat just fishing. And they're catching nothing. And then Jesus goes, miracle. They would go from zero to 11. Because they're disconnected threads. But what if everyone laid their thread down at the feet of Jesus and said, Jesus, can you weave us into a community? Weave us into a connected group of people. And because there was a net and not 11 individual threads, you can go from zero to 153. The magic and the might and the power and the mystery of what God can do in your life is very much connected to who you're connected with. 
You know, we know this in Scripture. One puts 1,000, two puts 10,000, but it's, it's inbuilt into nature. Draft horses can pull a certain load, but two together can pull three times the load. Why? Because there's something about connection that is more than just company. Some of you are going, I don't need more connections. I've got lots of friends. This is not about company. It's about capacity. Your connection doesn't just make you well-loved. It enlarges who you are. There's an old African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. What would happen if we all brought our individual fishing lines and laid them at the feet of God? He could make a net that would do something so supernatural. And by the way, the scriptures talk about lifting up those that are weak. It's not strong and weak people. It's strong and weak seasons. The seasons I'm strong and, 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 and John's weak and I'm going to lift him up. Seasons Mark's weak and John's strong and John has to lift me up. That's the beauty. It's not you're a strong person or a weak person. We're all going to go through times where we need to help one another. But you can't do that unless we stay connected. And I'm not here to recruit you to join a connect group, although I think it's a great idea. There are people who are in connect groups who are disconnected. But there's nothing like being in the lives of people and being vulnerable. You're only as connected as you're vulnerable. You know, you can work with someone for 40 years, never share anything about your heart, and you, are, you have proximity, but you don't have connection. No relationship in your life is any deeper than the vulnerability you've gone there with. You know, I was talking to an author in Singapore years ago, and he told me the story about him and his wife, godly man, about how they were in this church, and they loved the church. And they thought, gee, I finally found a good church. I'm feeling really happy here. Nobody bothers me. It's really cool. And the pastor spoke this message one day about unforgiveness. And he was sitting there, and then they get to the altar call time where everyone goes, close your eyes, bow your heads. Like, you know, you know those churches where you're always challenged and you always feel convicted? He's like, finally, I don't feel convicted because... I don't have any issue. He looked around the church, he thought, I don't hate anybody here. Wow. I have no unforgiveness issues. Wow, finally a pass on the altar call tonight. And you know, he was feeling so good about this alt this this message on forgiveness, and then he felt the Lord say to him, You don't know anyone in here well enough to know if you'd have a problem with unforgiveness. And he thought, Oh. So he goes to him, tells his wife what the Lord said to him, and he goes, I think we should get involved, like, you know, go. And so they decided to join like a connect group or the equivalent. And in his words, as he's telling me the story, from the moment they joined, all hell broke loose. <laughs> I said, what happened? He goes, she got offended at the connect leader. Someone said something. They got her mad. At and they went on this five-year journey. He's like, oh, my gosh, I do have a problem with unforgiveness. You don't realize what's in you until you're in proximity. And maybe you've been hurt, which is why you're staying away, but I want to tell you, connection is not about new friends, it's about larger capacity. If God is gonna stretch you, if God is gonna stretch his house, we need to be willing to stay connected. Look at the neighbor you like better, say, I'm with you. Look at the neighbor you just rejected, say, I'm with you too. All right. Here's the... It's a rowdy group here and so I look at Melbourne East, they're very well behaved right now. This is like here's the second, here's the second factor. If you're gonna enlarge your capacity, if God's gonna enlarge what he's doing in powerhouse, it's gotta be our willingness to stay connected and be connected, be vulnerable. But then here's the other issue: our willingness to say yes. Now, when you realize that you were created to contribute, create it to carry. See, it's a mindset I've stopped being apologetic for because, you know, there are people like, I can't, I'm old, I'm, I'm sick. Listen, no one's saying everybody has to live chairs. 
Like you might be a senior person, but you can lift in prayer. You don't have to lift chairs. You might not have time, but you might have resource. You might not have resource, but you might have time. You might say, I'm a single mom with kids. I can't go anywhere. We'll host a connect group. I'm not here to recruit anybody. There's no altar call at the end of this where you have to sign up to anything. I'm just saying if God is going to answer the prayers of this house, God, we want to go from glory to glory next year. Lord, we want more fish in the net. It's going to be because everyone says yes. To connecting and everyone says yes to carrying. You're either carrying the vision or being carried by it. And, you know, I found that, you know, a message like this, some people are getting disgusted. Some people just like, just cannot believe the church is shamelessly asking for volunteers. You know, I'm not asking for anything. I'm going tonight, then you get mad at someone else. But I will say this. I remember I was with a friend and we went uh, on a flight and he lost his wallet on the plane. And so we went to the lost and found counter in the country where we landed. Um, and you know, okay, the airline starts with the initials Malaysian Airlines and <laughs> the country, we land the KLIA. And so we go to the lost and found counter. I find the lost and found counter. I go, hi, um, ring the bell, ding, 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 took a while for the lady to come. She goes, yes, and she just looks at us. And I said, um, my friend here, we're on this flight, so-and-so, MH, whatever, um, and he lost his wallet. Can we just make a report in case anyone brings it in? And she just looked disgusted. She was like, <sighs> before emojis, it was her face. I was like, we're just making a report. She looked so irritated. She looked like she was about to give us a sermon. And she just shook her head in disgust and walked back and like grabbed the thing slowly. I'm thinking, this is the lost and found counter. Isn't this where you come? And then it dawned on me, she probably just likes the other half of a job. She likes the found part of a job. She likes it if you bring the wallet in. She likes it when you bring her the goods and the money. She doesn't like the lost part. And I realized, man, some of us are like that in church. We like the found stories. We like the good stories. We like the give us more hospitality stories. We like the discount stories. We like the free codes from the sermons of the conference stories. We just don't like the lost part. And yet... You know, and listen, if it's my church, I'd go even more brutal, but don't worry, it's not, so I'm just going to be very kind. But, the, but you know, I, 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 okay, I'll tell you what I said to my church. I'm not saying this here. I said, guys, the body of Christ, are you muscle or fat? And they're like, see, I offend people to the point of decision. And that's not a statement as to, wait, clearly I can't talk, but the point I'm making... And everybody can, you know, this idea that you're too old is a lie. The idea you're too young is a lie. You, you just got to find wisdom. And pastors as gracious as yours, they're never going to expect everyone to do anything. They're probably embarrassed I'm even speaking the sermon because there's no reason. But let me tell you, you can't encounter God, come off 33A, live high, do all of this, repent, be delivered, and then just go, now I'm here to sit like it and just take it up. Listen, you might be new. Well, I want to tell you, there's a new guy who came to church many years ago. He was layered through the roof by four friends and he got healed and forgiven in the one moment and Jesus made him an usher straight away pick up your mat yeah. he's like Lord don't you know I'm a new guest where's the VIP bag and the coffee and can't you give me six months to work out if I like this church and he didn't say pick up your mat because they had no ushers 
It's a prophetic picture that you were carried your whole life. You were carried here. Now be a carrier. Because I forgave you. I healed you. I called you. You are created for function, for purpose. You're part of the body. People say like, but pastor, isn't the church a hospital? Like it's a hospital for the sick and broken. It is a hospital, totally. But it's a really unique hospital. It's a strange hospital. It's the only hospital in the world where you come and you go from patient to physician in the same room. God doesn't just heal you of your brokenness just to take up space. He actually says, now you go heal the sick. It's the only place where you go from lame to leader in the same room, from spectator to soldier, from crowd to carrier. See, you, it, is, it, is, it is how miraculous this place is. It's incredible. It's not just a rescue house. It's a powerhouse. And, and there's something about this. You know, when I'm praying for someone with a sore shoulder, I'm not just saying, God, take away the pain. I'm saying, God, make it so strong they can lift again. When you're praying for someone who's going through marriage tension, you're not just saying, God, keep them out of the divorce courts. You're like, God, heal this marriage so good, they will be a blessing to other marriages, and they will actually help speak life into them. When you're praying for someone who's going through financial hardship, you're not like, Lord, let them not go bankrupt. I'm praying them to the point where, Lord, let them be a blessing, where they'll be a fountain of life and resource to people who need it. See, when we stand together and we land this plane, the keyboardists can come up in every location. Well, the two and the more to come. Come up now. Because there's something today that if we would just say, I've come off an amazing conference, but I don't want to be the limp thread in the net. I want to be one that's connected, and I want to be, I don't know what it looks like, I don't know what my season looks like, but all I know is God wants me to be a part of the answer, and here's how I will land it. This is the reality. Our church, and all the amazing things that have happened around the world and all of that, it's simply a product of saying, people saying yes to God and doing what they can. Not doing what you can't. But discipleship is follow me, not study me. It's not critique me, it's walk in my direction. And here's the thing that is always, when I read the story about the second miracle, I think of the 153 fish, and let me ask you this question as we land. What if the... 154th fish is your loved one. What if there's no room for the 154th fish? Because we decided no more connection, or oh, it's not my season. Listen, prayer is always something we can stand together in. I'm so grateful that this is a house that receives prayer, but when we start praying together, 6 a.m. or whatever time, let's, let's, let's decide we want to carry together that God has put you in the Sunshine Coast and in Melbourne East to be part of a divinely connected net. And, you know, if you love the, the hangs, but you don't want to carry, everyone's got friends like that. You know, they love, you want to go out for dinner? Yeah, they're always there. When it's time to pay the bill, they've forgotten their card. They can't find anything. They leave it. Don't be that guy. But then there's some people who love to serve, but they won't share what's really going on in their heart. See, if you carry but you don't connect, loneliness will rob you. But if you connect but you don't carry, laziness will rob us. And there's something about this miraculous image of a net that God says in Powerhouse, 
I'm so grateful for what I did. I've set people free. People have come together. People have come alive. Now's the time to be part of a move of God that we could all together say, God, cast the net into any direction. Pastor John, tell us where we're going. And we're all in. We all can't do the same thing, but we can all with spirit say, yes, we're a part of what you want to do. God, we want. And there are people here this morning, and I want to pray for you. In fact, I'd love us all to stand in here and in Melbourne East. And before I hand over. You're feeling like the net. You're feeling strained, but not broken. Maybe you're like the Botswana guy. There's nothing going on right now. You need some purpose. Or maybe there's too much purpose going on and you need a little less. But either way, whether you feel there's nothing or there's too much, we need God. And more than that, you know what I love about the volunteers in this house? And I don't know all of them. I've only met a few of them in different spaces. They all got stuff going on. They all got stuff going on. They all don't say yes because there's no problems. They say yes because they're saying yes. Jacob, who drove me today, he gets the call. His, his wife calls. She doesn't know I'm in the car. I think she did maybe. And a car's broken down on the side of the road. And he's serving. So, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Then I'll go. So that. That's just one tiny example from this morning. I'm just saying if your heart is yes, God will find a way to activate you with purpose. And I want to promise you, that there's more fish that God wants to bring into this net and into Melbourne. So I wonder, now, look, we're in church. You might be sitting next to someone you know really well or a complete stranger, so don't freak them out. But I'll tell you the picture I saw before I pray that we were going to do, and then I'm going to hand over. I saw this like a giant net. So maybe you feel awkward with the physical touch, so don't scare them. But if you like them, you can put your hand on their shoulder or you can hold their hand or do whatever, but don't freak them out. I'm just warning you, don't, 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 don't give them some sort of, yeah, whatever. But I, here's what we don't want. We don't want alone threads. You might go, I don't have much to contribute. I'm new to the journey. This is my first time at church. Why do they have to have this guy preach on my first time at church? All I know is you're here for such a time as this, and you were meant to be here today. And so, Father, I'm just thank you for, thanking you for the grace right across Melbourne East and here, that your grace would just heal, seal, join, strengthen. Father, I'm praying for those who are feeling overloaded. Their nets are strained, but they're not breaking. God, may your grace be upon them for this season, that you will sustain them. I pray for those who need a miracle, zero to 153. Give it to them, oh God. Awaken the potential of all things are possible in their life. Father, I thank you, God, that all you've done on the weekend is a setup for the next 12 months, and that, God, we don't know when our time is up on earth, but while we're here, let us be part of a vibrant net. Let us be alive threads that are willing to connect and willing to carry, because you are building capacity into this house like never before, that, Lord, we would be ones that grow, that this would truly be a space where miracles can happen, and, God, the 154th fish would find space, because we say yes to you. Lord, I pray, heal hurt, heal disappointment, heal the things that have kept us isolated. But today we say yes to you, yes to your word, yes to this house, yes to whatever you call us to. And I pray, God, that there would be miracle upon miracle, more stories of people like we've heard this weekend that get radically transformed because you are the God of miracles. Father, we pray, zero would become 153. It'll become 1,000. 
530. It will become 15,300. You would enlarge every business leader, enlarge every married couple, enlarge every young person, enlarge every pensioner. Lord, no one is beyond usability. Father, keep them utilized. Keep them functioning. Keep them alive with the blood of Christ. And I thank you that this time next year, Powerhouse would expand and extend to new spaces and new places because the net is growing. God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Over to your pastors in Melbourne and Sunshine Coast. God bless you.